dope. I kind of want that background. That's nostalgic. It's kind of like having the Mario Brothers jumping around on something. Right? I can yeah. dig that. Uh, amazing. It amazing. sucks that that's nostalgic, though. Like, I mean, yeah, right. yeah, it is nostalgic. I like haven't watched that movie either. Shows. I'm going to watch it. What? Neither have I. I, I Which one? I have to. I, what movie? Uh, the Super Mario Brothers movie. The Mario yeah. Brothers. Oh, there's a Mario Brothers movie? Yeah. Yeah. It's supposed to be pretty good. But it's probably racist against Italians. I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> Made by Japanese people, so. Happy Friday, y'all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. We are joined today by Emma G. We got Gary here complaining about Italian racism in the Super Mario Brothers. Emma, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm amazing. I'm amazing. Happy Friday. Happy Friday, indeed. <laughs> how are you guys doing? Living the dream. Gary, yeah. how are you doing besides feeling uh, accosted by the Mario Brothers movie? We don't all have mustaches and love pizza. Okay, that's But that's you are a person sitting in front of us with a mustache that loves pizza. <laughs> and I, maybe. And may or may not have been talking <laughs> to you about something mafia-related more than like only like five minutes ago. Seven minutes at Seven. least. <laughs> and that's a true story, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I just, yeah, I just remember like some Italian people I know, and there's controversy and stereotyping and everything. And they always like throw in like the Mario Brothers or something. I'm like, yeah, calm down. <laughs> like, that's if not. If it's any consolation, Gary, I get the same thing. People talk to me about New Zealand, where I'm from, and it's like always about Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, listen, that, not all of us made it as the cast as a hobbit, okay? I, I, I might be fun-sized, but I'm not that short, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, but yeah. they have great work with cameras. They can make you tall and short. Because mm. those, well, those hobbits had those giant feet, though. You don't want those feet. Those feet this are not true. attractive. I don't have those feet. <laughs> and they're hairy. Really? Mm. I've been called like a hobbit yeah. before. Oh, that's yeah. not cool. Ooh, okay. This yeah. is getting really awkward really quickly. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like 5'4 <laughs> with my shoes on, so, you know, I'm like, I'm hobbit-ish. Ish. Smelly. We're fun size, Gary. We're fun size. Yeah. That's all that is. It's I fly okay. a lot. I, I, I need the leg room. Dude, I'm jealous. <laughs> Absolutely jealous. Well, Emma uses the magic of music to empower, uplift, and motivate audiences worldwide. Her music and story are helping audiences overcome struggles, trauma, stress, to step up into their own authentic power. I'll tell you, I looked through your literature, listened to your music, you know, wanted to get acquainted with your story and where you come from. And I can't tell you how much this resonates with me. And the fact that you were able to discover it at such an early age is phenomenal. To be able to unleash authenticity and get rid of trauma through those releases is something that every kid dreams of being able to do. They generally do it through fantasy on a stage or in an environment. Uh -huh. They want to profess how they've been done, whether it's good or bad. And to be able to uh -huh. give them the tools in the toolbox to be able to write it out and be able to sing it out and do it with pride and about what they believe in and what they've been through, their trials, their tribulations, their celebrations. This is an amazing story. And I genuinely appreciate you for being the person that you are and for coming on our show. Now I'm done. Well, you can tell us all about who you are, where you're from. Gosh, wow, thank you. I, um, I'm, I'm humbled by that. Um, you know, it, it's funny because it's, 
it's it's easy, I guess, that to work in your superpower or in your zone of genius, mm. whatever you, um, term you want to call it, um, and kind of, you know, it's just, it's my life. This is what I do. This is, it's, it's just like, you know, wow, you shower every day. That's incredible. Mm. You know, it's just my life. And, um, you know, you're right. I, I am very blessed. The lighthouse to have never the expects have, praise. Right. Right. I mean, and, and listen, I'm, I'm never, ever going to refer to myself as a lighthouse, but um, I just, for me, it's, I, I knew at a very young age that I was here for a purpose. Um, I think that everybody's here for a purpose. I, um, however, always found that music was the thing that resonated most with my purpose. And so to be able to not only share my own funk, if you will, um, through funk. Uh, <laughs> I, by the way, one of my is, one of my favorite is, types of music. I love gritty, grimy, junky sounds that come from the soul that use you know instruments that are not conventional things that draw on other perceptions. Yeah, yeah, and and I think that that's part of like the magic of of music is that it's so um so varied and and there's so much opportunity to play and have fun and i often i tell my clients all the time it's music is kind of like a, a security blanket you've got this opportunity to both feel safe and ex in expressing yourself whilst also using that creativity that funk that that weirdness to fully step into almost another character but, but whilst telling your own story and and working through and understanding yourself better I I always try to use metaphors, and in this particular case, number one, somebody's doing dishes, and that's hysterical. I just heard. That's, that's my fiance cleaning up after breakfast. That's amazing, dude. It's the Tragedy Academy. It just it threw me completely off, and it's eleven eleven. I don't even know what that means. What is that? <laughs> It means Jay's going to be making some music out of dishes clanging together oh, soon. Man, is that my next assignment? Do so, a little game. So where um, we do a game where, um, well, Gary, I'll let you explain it. Jay likes to make music out of weird stuff. And I was shaving one day and got the idea of like the Clippers <laughs> is really annoying. So I'm like, all right. So I challenge him to make music out of the Clipper noise. Um, and then I had something in one of my pants pockets one day in the dryer and it was ba bump ba bump. So I was like, okay, that kind of sounded like bass. So I threw a bunch of shit in the dryer and, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, made the, that. And then I give them these, these challenges to make something out of like really annoying sounds. Um, so that's not that dishes awesome. is annoying. It's just a normal sound, but it's going to be hard for you to make that sound good. Oh yeah. You got when he gave me the clippers, first of all, it sounded like I was trying to make music outside of an adult, you know, store because everything was just vibration sounds. I was like, this is stupid. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how does this? I was like, is this a note? What is this? That, that's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, what do I do? <laughs> so I did. I worked it out. I played it through. I'll show you later. It's a, it's It was fun. Um, and you know, to keep on topic, this does actually uh, relate to this. Music was something that came into my life very late. I didn't start producing music until I was 42. Um, which was like three years ago, yeah, right? 15, the, yeah, like yeah. last year, last year, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I, I, <laughs> I thought so. Nobody believes sure. my age ever, but 
That's because I act like a big kid. No other reason. I look my age. I just don't act I, it. I see you. I see you. <laughs> so as I started this show, um, part of the growth for me was learning about myself at the same time because I developed this, you know, as a show to, you know, to bridge societal divides and a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. But that required me to look into the human experience and also look into myself. And as I was going okay. through the process, I started to learn things about what it means to be authentic in your gifts and who you are. And what's stifled as a child is actually something that you can have reborn at any moment in your life if you just reconnect with it. And as I was going through making the podcast, learning, editing, going through the softwares, and I, you know, you initially you have no confidence in yourself and what it is that you're trying to create. So you reach out. And I reached out uh -huh. to, you know, local sources and online sources to have music created for the intro and outro to the show. Uh -huh. Needless to say, there's a highlight reel that I have somewhere that would make you laugh hysterically. <laughs> it Highlights. Didn't anything. It was, it was so bad, but probably good for what they were envisioning. I don't know, but it was hot garbage. So I sat down right. and I opened up GarageBand. I was on my Mac and okay. I just sat there and I started grabbing sounds and playing with it. And I was like, wait a minute. Um, this makes sense to me. And I did. I grew up in a Southern Baptist choir. I sang as a kid, okay. loved music. It was my thing, but I was told to shut up. So it kind of, you know, drew away from the ability to tap into that talent throughout my life. But it's good because it allowed me to go through other experiences to give me a lot more pain and a lot more understanding and experience when I create stuff. Long story short, mm. I ended up falling in love with it. I have an ear. It lets me take stupid mm -hmm. sounds and cram them places and make music out of it. anything. I love funk. I found that out just through creating music, that that is where I kind mm. of resonate because it's freedom. It is mm. a music that is used to break the cycle to be mm. a voice, like Curtis Mayfield. Dude, I fell in love with him mm. probably the same year that I started doing music, you know, yeah. and it resonated so much. So when you said earlier that you create tracks once a month, you release them for the rest of this year, and they're dedicated to certain struggles, that amazes me. We released something here with the show called Tragedy Tracks. Um, we only do certain that. ones when we're able to, because it's me. And let's... Let's face it, there's a lot that goes into this process to create a show and put it out. And it has to be something that, you know, I have to sacrifice some time to be able to do. Don't get me wrong, I enjoy the hell mm -hmm. out of it. It is where I get my therapy and I probably should do it more. But we do something very similar and I love that that's what you do. Could you explain to us what that is and what the uh, process is for you picking these and releasing them? Uh, it's it's a multi-tiered thing. Um, so it's it kind of it started in 2021 um, after you know I I just established youth empowerment through songwriting coaching, um, where I work with teenagers to channel their voice that is through the art of songwriting. But then I was you know I was sitting in <laughs> on my couch one day and I was like you know what, it's it's fine to talk the talk, but I think you know it's it's my responsibility as a as a as a coach, as a mentor, as a leader, whatever, to lead by example. Mm. So I set myself a write a song a day challenge, where for 30 days straight, I wrote a song every single day. And 
And the, the, the magical thing about that um, really came about because I found that that there's a saying, uh, to pray is to talk to God, to um, meditate is to listen to the messages that God gives you. Mm. I take music to be a step further where it's a manifestation of the conversation. Um, so for me, over those 30 days, I was like, oh gosh, I don't know where the truck that came from, but here we are, you know, writing this song about my 10-year-old self dealing with being bullied because you know, I'd had 10 brain surgeries by that age and my friends were calling me Frankenstein. Um, what do you do with that? Or a song about a girl who'd been sexually assaulted. Hello. You know, um, all these things that I just, I'd just suppressed because music is therapy. Mm. Um, I found myself, you know, allowing myself to use that security blanket of music to let myself be vulnerable, at least to myself. And the, so that was my write a song a day challenge. But then that led me to looking back at some of the songs that I had written as a teenager. Mm. And that is where this uh, releasing a song a month came from. Because I'm looking at these songs going, okay, this was a very pivotal moment in my teenage years when I wrote this specific song. Oh, shoot. That happens to align with Women's History Month. Or I wrote this song, oh, shoot, that, you know, happens to align with Depression Awareness Month or Homeless Youth Month. You know, like all of these things serendipitously have, you know, co um, have come to coexist together. Um, and so, again, it's just me um, not just walking the walk as, a, as an adult, but also saying, hey, look, I was a teenager too, not that long ago at least in my own head. <laughs> and, you know, but I've been, I, I, right, thank you. Um, again, I, I look younger than I am. But, um, yeah, I, I feel as if it's it's been a really beautiful journey and a great reminder for myself and for my audience that we've always had the answers within us. Mm. We just need to give ourselves permission to sit still and listen to ourselves. Um, there's a saying, uh, you are loved, you are love, and everything you could possibly need lives within you already. It's just that we get that educated out of us. Mm. And I, I want to help us to educate ourselves back into knowing who we are. Yeah, we do create kind of a societal cage around our capabilities and our abilities to reach others and believe in ourselves. We're, we're given these mirrors to look at, to be ashamed yeah. of ourselves rather than, you know, potential. Um, for me, I do believe that um, music does have the ability to adjust how you feel in the moment at any given moment. And I love how beautiful it was that you said that that was an expression of putting meditation and prayer together. Um, I couldn't mm -hmm. agree more. Uh, meditation is one of the cornerstones of how I work with my mental health. Uh, has been for like four years. Of course. And um, we talk about it a lot on the show. <laughs> I love that. I love getting awesome. snaps, man. <laughs> I got to tell you, I've only had snaps like three or four times in my life. But each time I felt, I felt fucking cool. 
I was like, yeah. I wanted to. You are fucking cool, Jay. <laughs> Everybody wants snaps, You're so Gary. Snaps for both of you. <laughs> He's got a little checklist right there. He's I like, do, man. got another snap. I got a snap. Gary said reefer once to me. I was like, that's badass. I put that on there. I was like, I had a conversation with the word reefer. I was like, all right, that's, that's cool. That- uh- <laughs> I don't know if you guys got that word over there, but that means marijuana. Okay. It's like the 70s, like, super cool version of the word for weed. Something like a 46-year-old white guy in the suburbs of Florida would never say. Unless he's (laughs) the police. be cool. You do know that you're speaking to, like, a complete linguist-obsessed person, right? Like, one of my favorite words... One of my favorite words is obsquatulate, and that means to drop everything and leave in a hurry. I'm going to obsquatulate for the rest of my life when I leave rooms now. Like, I'm not kidding, dude. Jesus is a bunch of big words, Can you spell that word for people? The word of the day is... I believe it's, uh, so it's obsquatulate. A-B-S-Q-U-A-T-U-L-A-T-E, I believe. Nice. Gary. Yeah. I mean... can you I can't even spell rest. I can't even spell restaurant. I spell it so badly <laughs> that it won't even correct on my phone sometimes. It started to just give up. That's fine. It's it giving- did. I'm like, I'm. I just like, I I'm like dyslexic or stuff. I think because like, and the spell check just completely screwed people. I think once it just starts doing it for you, if I have to write words mm-hmm. out without a spell check, I'm like, that's not even close. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> I refuse to handwrite anything because you can't hide your shame. Phenomenal handwriting. Yeah, my handwriting, That's phenomenal. Sorry. My grammar, shit, completely. Spelling, terrible. So it's like, it looks really good. I sound really stupid, though, when somebody reads it out. Words are the so universal like, divider, I though. I, I, I feel like it's a, it's a blessing and a curse. Like being able to communicate, but not have words for certain things in different cultures, customs, or locations is something that people can't comprehend. You know, one Uh culture could have a word for something that's associated with love that we've never identified or ever had the need to put a word on it. So when they're discussing Uh it with you, we're only going to take the closest word we think to it. So we're going to go, oh, he's saying love, 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 love. And no, he's actually talking about familial bonds over generations, you know, with his ancestors and something else. But what happens? You just fucking dismiss somebody because they didn't have the same understanding rather than, you know, being culturally empathetic and really studying what it is that they have to say. I love that so much, mostly because we were talking before about how Gary's from Italy and my family is incredibly varied. Um, I was born in New Zealand, first generation. My mother's from Erie, Pennsylvania. My father was from Fiji. What? What? Hold on. That took a long oh, no, 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 turn. <laughs> so my father was from there. Fiji. And my mother was from Pennsylvania or in Fiji? I'm from Cleveland, so I've spent oh, some time okay. near both, Erie, Pennsylvania. You've been to okay, Fiji so too, it's right? more complicated though. Uh, Bali, oh, not Bali. Fiji. Oh, uh, okay. Similar, I guess. Uh, but my grandfather was from Iran and my grandmother's from Norway. Um, and on your point, Jay, about <laughs> language, in a Farsi, they don't say I love you. They say, <laughs> which means I will die for you. That's stronger. That is, yeah. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's I don't know. It's, I don't know many right. people it's, in it's my amazing. life that have said the L word to me that were willing to do that as well. <laughs> well, I, I think that list is very short. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, you know. <laughs> I don't think that's it's good. my fault. It's good. 
No, I think, it's, I think, you know. It's it, in the eyes of the person that's making the decision. You want to save me? Save me. You don't? You don't. Whatever. <laughs> it was supposed to happen either way. Cube Bruno Mars. Where did you grow up at? I grew up between New Zealand and Fiji, predominantly. I oh, um, spent a little bit of time in America when I was a child, but most of my, like every summer, I would go visit my father and his, uh, my, you know, my five brothers and sisters and his, you know, his side of the family. But most of my life was spent in New Zealand. Yeah. New Zealand or Erie, PA, you uh, won that <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah, that's like <laughs> the majestic or... yeah. Pennsylvania. Yeah, the, That's a song. Yeah, the majestic Paradise shores of Lake Erie. Lake Erie is. It's pretty gorgeous. I'm, it's I'm not, not gonna lie. It's not. I don't know. I grew up right on Lake Erie my whole life. You're not allowed in the water. It will kill you. The river catches on fire that feeds into it. Oh. It is real bad. <laughs> you just killed all of my dreams, Gary. <laughs> it looks. It looks good from afar. You just it looks turned good from your afar. childhood memories into a dumpster <laughs> fire. No, it's like, literally. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, if the water catches on fire, there's, there's a problem. This is true. Hundred percent. That's how, that's how like the world has all their fire. stuff. Oh no, no, no. New Zealand looks no. a lot like Cleveland. <laughs> no. But we do put our shots on fire, just so you know, so, in New Zealand. I, I bet you guys do. Um, now, I'm a little bit curious because I don't know much about New Zealand. Obviously, uh, mm-hmm. of course, Lord of the Rings is on lock. I got that. Um, I just know it's green, mountainous, and has lots of landscape and dwarves and fight. creatures. And <laughs> no, um, we actually don't have that many creatures at all. We I'm very we have birds, we have birds and fish. Um, every other animal that we have, and when we have like reptiles, you know, we have a tuatara, which we have one um, a kiwi bird. Um, but everything else was brought over by the Europeans when they I believe it. immigrated. Yeah. So it's not like Australia where everything wants to kill you. It's completely different. Germany crickets, man, that place. It has crazy <laughs> shit in Australia, man. I saw the spider. I was like, it was bigger than a basketball. Like, no. Ridiculous. I was looking up something for somebody the other day and it was like Australia. Actually, I was looking up all the things that could kill people in Florida because Pearl moved there, my friend, and there's just a, there's a huge snake in her garage, and there's like a bobcat or some shit in her backyard, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? I looked, and they're like, oh, Australia and Florida, the two places that have like the most deadly things. It, it's funny you say that. Australia, we have, yeah. Sorry, Australia would be the the Florida of the South Pacific. Carry on, please. Yeah, no, yes, you are you are. Uh, it would be Florida <laughs> is Australia. Australia equals Florida in so many different ways. We had a uh, gentleman mm-hmm. on. Uh, uh, Jeffrey Heim uh, from Shark Co. Um, mm-hmm. He got bit in the head by an alligator um, while Happens. shark tooth hunting. He's a conservationist. He does uh, megalodon teeth, stuff like that. And um, he was on a search. They search in rivers because they feed into there. These old teeth are in the silt and the floor and, you know, that kind of area. And uh, he was in Gosh. there and a GoPro going and thump, he got his head chomped. And uh, the... The weirdest thing, well, not the weirdest thing about all of it. He survived, obviously. He's doing well. Um, he's He survived, you know, got through the PTSD, yada, yada, yada. But I'll tell you, the video online of it happening is littered with people from Australia telling him he was lucky it was not a crocodile. 
Just annihilating this dude as if he had an easy journey getting his head bit by a gator. They're like, no, mate. (laughs) Well, isn't isn't it a crime? It was in Australia or no? No, it was here. It was in Florida. Seven o'clock style. Yeah. That's funny. That's wild. That's wild. It actually does give me another... segue into something here. You mentioned something earlier with bullies, right? Yes. And having 10 surgeries before what, the age of 12 for hydrocephalus or 10? Let me, let me clarify that. 24 surgeries, 10 just happened to be brain surgeries. Oh my Lord. So I can only imagine what it's like because I, I was bullied as a child and I had a condition that was, you know, something that somebody would focus on and ridicule me for. But it was uh-huh. not 10 brain surgeries deep with scars to the head. That's very traumatic for a child to navigate. And obviously you used music to help uh-huh. you bridge that gap. If you could talk to a child in a position where they felt like they had a flaw, because I say felt like they had, because it's not. It's not a flaw. It's what they believe, you know, what other people tell to them. You're, you're fine the way you are. You're beautiful the way you are. That said, if you're talking to that child, what would you say to them and how would you help them get through that moment? So it's um, just quietly. I love the fact that you, Jay, are in the music industry and you, Gary, are in the UF, have a UFC background um, because my, my fiancé is a Krav Maga instructor. Um, and so... Nice. What, one of the things that I have learned and now as an adult is how um, there's so much intertwine between our emotional health and our physical health. Mm. And one of the, you know, my, my answer, I guess, to you, Jay, would be kind of stealing from him a little bit in that every, every trauma I've, I've healed from um, is not a strike against me. It's a, it's a war wound. Mm. It's a survival scar. And that doesn't make me, you know, a survivor. That makes me a freaking badass. That may, you know, and, and, so, and that's the same thing for every, every young person or adult for real. Because let's be honest, you know, a lot, of, a lot of adults don't or haven't yet learned how, what tools they have to, you know, deal with their adulthood trauma. They may never. Um, and and I, I pray that you're wrong. I, I absolutely. <laughs> but some people but right. remain blind during their tour on the rock. It isn't their yeah. time to figure out that, you know, they're here for a reason and that all of their pain and suffering is generally a choice, except yeah. for in the moment. After that, it's a exactly. choice. And I I love that. It's not our fault what happens to us, but it is our responsibility to, to do something with it. Um. And so that, that's kind of where I'm, where I, a, a lot of the clients that I work with, the young clients that I work with, is that that's the kind of rhetoric that I, that I let them know is like that they have the tools, they have the abilities to either fall into one, you know, feeding one wolf or feeding the other, whether you want to feed the wolf of fear, anger, mm. hurt, um, you know, 
clapping back, whatever, sassiness, whatever the kids say these days. Um, or, if, or, if, or, if you, or if you want to feed the wolf of like, you know, positivity and resilience and recognizing that, um, you know, bullshit happens, but we can turn that bullshit into fertilizer and use it to find a garden. That's kind of how I see my trauma is, yes, 10 brain surgeries sucks. Yes, brain surgery, like brain damage sucks. Yes, um, being in hospital and, and, you know, isolated from your friendship groups and at, at, at a, you know, a very, um, you know, uh, it's a fragile age. age. Yeah. And it's a really, really fragile age. Um, it, 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 it's, it's, it's hard, but it also taught me a lot about valuing my own space and my own time. Mm. And, you know, learning more about who I want to be as opposed to falling victim to peer pressure as much as maybe my friends would. Um, you know, it's all about how you how you want to write the narrative for yourself. And songwriting happens to be a really great way to rewrite that. I love that because you're using a technique that has probably been used throughout all of time for getting rid of mental issues and that is writing them out and putting them on paper so that you can process them properly. The fact that you're Mm -hmm. combining such a liberating piece, music, to that process, it can only amplify the capabilities of, you know, how it can affect you over time. How could it not? Like, we That's all know that hope, music yeah. makes us dance. Music makes us laugh. Music makes us scream and yell. Music makes us cry. All these things without even having words to it. If you have mm-hmm. the opportunity to put words to it, your words, what more, what better way to find liberation? It's the your words part, though. Yeah. You know, like, I don't, I don't know. Exactly. You relate to the gift party when it came to, to music. But um, when you were a teenager, what music did you listen to when you were in a bad mood? Who, me? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said Gary. For me, um, oh, I was an angsty kid, man. I was all about the Smiths. Loved the Smiths. Okay. It was my thing to just sit there and be mad at the world. Um, it. it I hated everybody. Everybody hated me. Okay. Gary, what did you listen to when you were a teenager? Uh, it was kind of mixed when I was, like, mad. I'd either listen to Motown or, like, some gangster shit, like, depending <laughs> on if I wanted to get more mad or if I wanted to be less mad. That's the thing. In the moment, you know, like. That's right. I would listen to something that makes me a little happier if I was, like, over it or if I was, like, wanted kill somebody then it'll be something else you know and then try to get it out that way but kind of like either calm me down or just like rage out and mm-hmm. but yeah, you know, for the record, it's, it's, gary produces music as well he's a producer oh i did not know that yeah that's absolutely absolutely yeah, loves music. that's to... actually what we bonded over um more yeah, so than the ufc and uh fighting not that i didn't love everything about it i love the ultimate fighter and we've discussed that on shows and different things like that but um, after Gary was on the show a couple years ago, um, we started exchanging music. Um, we were both That's on awesome. a path where he was rekindling his love for music and started producing things and wanting to, you know, fulfill dreams that he had when he was a kid. And me, I was starting the journey and uh, we mm-hmm. were just sharing music back and forth and back and forth. And that's where I learned from Gary that, you know, you've got to, everybody needs a hype man, right? Hype your friends. Yeah. Like, and that's the motto I got from him during that time frame. And that's how we became friends was really exchanging a lot of music 
And um, there's a lot to be revealed in that. Music is very deep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the that's why I sort of asked you both what you are what you turned to when you were a teenager. Because like I, you know, grew up in the nineties and early two thousands. And so my my go-to was either Enigma oh, yeah. or M or Eminem or Lincoln Park. And Carly's so song, very Carly's song is one of my favorite songs ever. It's yeah, yeah. And but but it kind of got to the point where I realized, however, that every song that I was listening to of other artists was a, a, a small fraction of how I was actually feeling. And that's why I started like really digging into the whole songwriting thing, because I, I recognized that, yes, music is powerful and listening to music is powerful and beautiful and can do so, so much good for our self-expression and our feeling seen and connected. But when you're able to take life's proverbial pen and actually write your own story and your own truth, a couple of things happened for me at least. And that was, you know, one, it was a better, a more accurate reflection of how I was actually feeling and what I was going through. But also, surprisingly, you know, the more I wrote and sang my truth, the more other people would come out of the woodwork and also connect with that. The and so keys. then my, my, you know, that social thing, um, just my social health, you know, really escalated as a result of that, you know, especially out of that bullying. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the time in my life when I really did not have any friends <laughs> whatsoever, um, you know, music really helped me to sort of reestablish those connections. I, I love that because I believe that your authentic self is to create music and be the person that you are. Um, and I think that the bigger picture here would show that the more that you became true to yourself and became more authentic, that the friendships and the people that came into your life were much more in tune with who you are and much more accepting. And the lesson there That's is hard. always be yourself and pursue your passions as hard as you possibly can without goals. Mm -hmm. There should be no goals, but just to simply make what it is that you are beautiful at making. Do it, yeah. do it, do it in place, and the rest will come in time. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could not have said that better. <laughs> Get out of your own way is what I, is what I tell people, you know, because you're right that we, we so often, I don't know, we, I, I think, what is it? Einstein said, um, intelligence is the creative adult who survived uh, or the creative child who survived. Um, and mm. I think a lot of, a, a lot of, that comes from being taught to not be authentic and not be, you know, not not show our, our true selves. And I, I just, that breaks my heart in so many ways. It's beaten out of us, like mm. almost literally. I mean, they can't hit you in school anymore like they used to really, but at, not that long ago, they beat the shit out of you if you just didn't sit there, shut up, look forward, mm -hmm. memorize the crap in the book and then regurgitate it on Friday and then forget it and go to the next chapter. I mean... Right. I was in the hallway, in the principal's office, anywhere they could put me because, like, you know, the front of the room was, was still too much pain in the ass. Hallway, still too much pain in the ass. They just right. keep moving me further away from people, <laughs> you know. Gary and, in the uh, corner of the football field just standing there looking at his shoes. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was, you know, if my mom didn't work at the school, they would have kicked me out a lot earlier than they did, you know, and it was just, I wasn't 
like maliciously bad as a kid. I just had energy and like, I didn't want to just sit there and look forward. I couldn't do it. And like mm. other kids couldn't either. And it's like not harness that or like redirect it. It's just like, I went to Catholic school and it's just like, sit down, shut up, say a word, you're in trouble. Like, you know, like people don't process information the same and it's just, it's sucked out of you, you know, uniform it and, really is. you know, language and speak this way and act this way and think this way. And everyone should feel this way about the religion and the subject matter and everything. Believe the same thing, mm. do the same thing. Mm. It's, it fucking sucks, man. Like I was looking for any way to express myself. And that's probably where the music came in and, you know, my early teens when I started writing music is the same. It's just like, you know, like a way to, I don't know, it was anger, but it was also cool at the time. And growing up in, you yeah. know, in, in Cleveland when, you know, Bone Thugs and Harmony, you know, they're from where I'm from. Oh, and we course. all started, you know, we'd open up, you know, shows for them and stuff and never like idolize them kind of in a way. And, you know, they were the only ones from Cleveland to ever make it that we knew of. There's, you know, other groups and shit that, you know, had, but not an inner city group, not a rap group, not people from yeah. where we're from. And, those guys, man, they're inspirational. They got on a Greyhound bus and said, we're not fucking coming back until we make it. And like, right. that's crazy. You know, they came back with <laughs> the same clothes on their backs and like, got a record deal. We're going to be on MTV. And everyone's like, hey, okay, all right. And then like three, four weeks later or a month later, whatever, like everyone's like, they're shooting a video for Buggish, Ruggish Bone and, you know, down the way. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Like, oh, there's really fucking cameras down there. That's like a thing. And then, you know, I don't even know, weeks or a month later, this shit's on MTV and, yeah. you know, these guys are still in the hood broke and they're like, what does this make any sense? And then all of a sudden Crossroads comes out and they sold more records Amazing. than Michael Jackson and the Beatles and shit at that time. Like, Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that. Was, I think that Crossroads was the number. Was, it was insane. I want to the number one Eternal was insanely popular here. Like, unbelievably popular. Yeah, they, I think that to be fair, it single, was also very popular in New Zealand. But, <laughs> but it, just it, last it, it year. Made, well, I mean, to pass the Beatles no. yeah. right now, so like, <laughs> This was last year. Is that what you said? <laughs> they just got it. That's slightly true, especially during yeah. the 90s and the 2000s. Well, that's a thing that's crazy. You know, I, I took my nephew to the record stories. Uh, <laughs> 13 maybe or 12 when I took yeah, I think he's 12 and uh, he called them music discs he had no idea what they were and I'm like this is why it's called a record store and he's carrying all the records you know and I like to just pick 50 cent records or 20 cent like just random shit and like see what I can find you know I missed oh, the I whole like, digging in the 50 cent oh no no no, no. Like, the, the, the cost of, the cost of the record yeah it's true I missed the whole DJing thing because I was always a rapper but never made music so I'm like the digging in the crates thing is cool to me it's new so I do That's that. Awesome. He's just like trying to explain to him, like, we used to have to like ride our bikes 20 miles through enemy territories to get to the one store that we wanted to buy tapes and stuff at. You know, my grandpa had a 38 revolver with one bullet in it. I used to steal and put it in my Timberland boot. And that was like my <laughs> oh shit gun since I was a kid. And uh, we go there and, you know, there's an old, it was like a movie, an old Jewish guy that owned the place and he knew every sample. Like a Wu-Tang song come on and he would tell you what it was that was sampled and you just knew all of them, you know, and you know, like Sarah teaches us like a different way to think about music, but you'd have to like think about it. Like I'd be like, all right, I'm buying this tape. You buy that tape. You buy this one. We're going to steal our mom's Barry Manilow tapes and put the little tape on the top and redouble them and pass them out. Like it had to be like a whole thing to what we were going to get. 
Now it's like 10 no. billion songs everywhere, you know, but we had to like really think about what we're going to buy every week. And about a tape that sucked, you were so pissed because like 12 bucks and that's all you had. And you're like, oh man, this sucks. Like we're stuck <laughs> with it now. Yeah. yeah. I, I get that completely. I used to busk every single weekend in my hometown. Um, and that was how I made my money is I just, I, I would, you know, sorry, busk, street perform. I'd go oh, to the okay. farmer's markets and I like sang a cappella. I thought um, you said bus, like working at a restaurant, busing tables. Yeah, that's what I thought. That, that's an American term. No, I, I used believe to it. busk. That's um, why I used to bus and, tables. Same. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, I, I, yeah, I was like 10, 11 years old and I would busk every weekend and all of that money would go on, you know, buying cassette tapes back, you know, back in the day when cassette yeah, tapes awesome. were still a thing. You know, <laughs> it's funny because um, my affinity with music and singing is not close to the actual lyrics, which I was really happy when I started reading your book because I was like, this actually gives me a gateway to mm. be able to put things on paper with some kind of framework or idea behind mm. it because it's difficult that first time to find who you are your rhythm your pattern and how you're going to put something down um, but my connection to music I was not really able to buy CDs tapes mm. you know none of that stuff was around because we were just too poor you know I had cousins that would have like you know an NWA tape or something like that <laughs> something horrifying right, right, right. But other than that, or my parents would have some tapes or whatever, but it wasn't anything I would ever grab. So music was always just music, no lyrics. Even the words were an instrument to me. If mm -hmm. that means because you couldn't get the words right when you lived in the middle of nowhere in the 90s without being able to open up a CD cassette. We're all still singing songs about crystal meth from Semi-Charmed Semi Life. You know, it's all about getting high and we don't even know it. So I didn't have that connection except for with rap because rap was very yeah. easy to follow and you could get, you know, what it is that they were talking about. But like Some Bone songs. Thugs and Harmony? No, not Bone Thugs and yeah. Harmony. He's like, <laughs> he's just making shit up, which I love even more. I remember, I remember asking those guys, like, what the fuck did you just say? And they would not even know the answers. <laughs> That's <laughs> funny. See, they have an instrument. It doesn't have to be yeah. words. Yeah. And, and it's funny you say, because like one of my all-time favorite bands is Pink Floyd. <sighs> and they, you know, they use instruments to, for, for the, you know, that, Almost as if it's a voice as well. But of course, you can't say a lyric with a guitar. Um, but it, it's Peter just, Frampton it's, would tell you you're a liar. This is true. This is true. But he also had a mouth. Oh, yeah, he did. So had like some so weird, <laughs> weird recorder stuck in the end of it. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird. That's all. There's instruments. Like, I met someone that plays the electric sax recently, which I didn't know was a thing. So then I started looking at all these other weird instruments. I never knew it was electric sax phone was a thing. I never knew. I, I, you, I just learned something new today. You blow it's, 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 it, yeah, it's crazy. It Shut looks the like, it, yeah, it's, it's really sounds awesome. Well, think about it. You have MIDI instruments. That if you're controlling yes, the pressure on a key or a pad, then why couldn't you mm -hmm. with breath? And then if you're, you know, you set the keys up correctly, you could actually change the type of saxophone that's in your hand over and over again. Hell, you could be playing drums with your mouth at that point. That's wild. I, yeah, no, it's a I'm really not that cool kind of instrument. <laughs> like, that's fun. It got me to, like, I went on down the rabbit hole of, like, a bunch of weird instruments what's the weirdest one you found Let's go. Um, 
remember what it's called. It's just like this flute that they play in Russia, but it's got like, it looks like almost like a clarinet mixed with a didgeridoo or something. It's like a bassoon, uh, bassoon or some shit. I don't remember what it's called. Those really sound really weird. Um, well, the bassoon's been around for a while, but I get what you're talking about. Like really long, tall, cylindrical type of instrument. Looks like a didgeridoo, but it's got a reed that's coming out of the side of it with a very yeah. thin. Yeah, that's kind of like a bassoon. Yeah. I get it. Maybe it is a bassoon. Yeah, it just it sounded like really I love bad. The oboe. And then I, love I found the one that sounded good. Yeah, it's like an oboe. It sounded a few things sounded terrible, and then found some Italian guy that and I was trying to sample some music from him yesterday. Uh, Francisco cool. Migloni or something. You something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm oh yeah, I know that guy. We go way back. I'm like, I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I was asking myself. <laughs> <laughs> if I tried, I would have sounded like I was racist against Italians. <laughs> no, I mean we already started off with this Mario exactly, Brothers crap when we started. We're gonna end thing. it, right? We're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna do some hate for Gary and um... <laughs> yeah, it's like we're, we, we're, I'm hold not on, a plumber. Hold on. Here we go. I'll I'll give you the the American Sign Language applause there, oh, Gary. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, those That's people like are amazing. I did the snaps were were great, but you <laughs> having worked in the music industry for a long time, having mm-hmm. toured, I did see that you were in New York mm-hmm. and some other clubs. And did you ever get the opportunity? To have a sign language person on the stage singing along with so, you. Because I find that just like, I don't think I could be able to sing. Because I would want to know what they were saying that I was saying. Because some of them get into it, man. There's videos. Especially oh, the rap. Like they have Wu-Tang concerts and stuff <laughs> where they're like wilding out. So I, I've, I've, yeah, you're right. I, I've toured the States twice now. Uh, my longest time on the road was 35 days straight. That was crazy. <laughs> Um, because I was with my two bandmates at the time. And, you know, you don't know somebody until you've been stuck in a car with them for 35 days. Mm, it, it was, it was fun. <laughs> yeah, you um, amongst other things. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, yeah. an, it, it was fun. Trips are not favorable. Um, you love them or hate I, them after that. It solidifies yeah. your relationship or destroys it, I think. 100%. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, we're still on good terms and we still, we, we still play together regularly. But um, that was kind of, you know, that was the, the most kind of crazy tour that I've been on. And that wasn't, I, but I didn't have anybody that was deaf there. However, when my single Songbird came out last year, um, there is a guy on TikTok and Instagram by his name is Deaf Boy Cotton, and he takes music and sign languages every single lyric to the song. Oh, that's really cool. Um, so he completely like did a, a, a minute, minute and a half um, video of Songbird, and I don't know how he found me or my song, but there he is, like on because he was supposed to online. There we go, and and it was beautiful. I I love. I, I if I could take the time out of my schedule to to learn sign language, I think it's such a beautiful way to connect with people. Um, but unfortunately, I, I, I maybe my music is just not bassy enough um, to attract many. Oh, is it bass that attracts? Uh, I, obviously, the resonance in it or something like that would probably yeah. make you gotta, them you feel, feel it. You gotta feel it, like you gotta feel yeah. the vibration, I guess, right? 
Mm. Yeah, and most of the most of my music performances are like acoustic guitar and, and vocals, and then you know when when we have the full band together, we have the the tracks behind us, the drums, the the bass and things. But um, yeah, I don't have much of a deaf audience. Unfortunately. But I think it's super cool though that um, there's the ability to translate a whole different way. And to be mm. honest, we don't have an effing clue what a deaf person actually feels exactly of course. if they feel the exact same way through a sign as we do through a word if they're even connecting the same you know dots it's kind of like speaking farsi and english may yeah. not you know even though it's got that but i will say this it disappointed me when i found out that sign language is in different languages i was like i feel like we missed oh, the boat really? i feel like we missed the boat not having just one for all of them <laughs> <laughs> that was, yeah. I might be yeah. wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be pissed because I just like no, offended the right. whole the whole uh, deaf community. But how do we not just be like, how is it, you know, eating, just eating, you know, not eating in Spanish? Like, or, is it like this or, you know? Because like, uh, who, it would be too hard to teach that because like you have to have someone in every you know, wherever you lived at to teach you that sign language, they'd have to speak this universal language. But it's just one table at that point. Yeah, but you'd have to know, like, this if means If I was looking at the periodic table of hands, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, but you'd have to know what eat means, right? Like, well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying, though. But eat would be eat. It would be, you know, the sign T-E, you know, or something like that. I don't know. It just seemed like they missed the boat on that one. Somebody needs to kind of bring that yeah. together. I feel like it's a way they to actually have like a big advantage. They'd have an advantage over everybody if they could speak what? with they could everybody speak with, in the world. And, no, yeah, they the could baseball say, signals. They, yeah, but like <laughs> they'd be able to go anywhere in the world and speak to <laughs> deaf people there in whatever language. They just, you know, oh, we there's can't no deaf speak spies. to people in Farsi think, and all these other I things. Think th thank you. Thank you is universal. But like, I know in New Zealand sign language, it's I want pudding is, yeah, but I, 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 wow. That, that's the only New Zealand sign language thing. Yeah. Thank, th uh, yeah, thank you. And then I, know, like, I that, what want is it, good morning, pudding. you know, or yeah, then like, uh, is that thank you or is it you're welcome? Something no, like that. that's that's some shit that's, that gets you punched in the mouth. Oh, that's no. <laughs> yeah, that's, again, why are we back to Italy? My wife is Italian. Her mother is from Spigno, Italy. She was an immigrant. Oh, so, um, yeah, so go that, over there and do whatever you were just yeah, doing. She would, next she time she would visit. laugh at me <laughs> because I don't know what it means. And she would just fall on the floor and be like, you're insane. It means defend Thanks. yourself after doing it. Oh, really? <laughs> That's what it means. Yeah. Is that what it means? Defend yourself. I mean, oh, man, I'm going to do it for sure no, now. I mean, no, it means... <laughs> I'm going to get a spatula. I mean, like, you just defended somebody, so you should defend yourself because they're probably going to punch you. What I mean. Oh, oh, <laughs> like, oh, I thought you said that it meant it <laughs> on guard. Yeah, I mean, it kind of <laughs> does. That's what I... I mean, no, they, if you, you do that to somebody, you need to yeah. be on guard. I gotcha, see you. Gotcha, there. gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing as like doing this in the Middle East. That? This bad? in the Middle East is the same thing as giving the middle finger. Oh, is it really? I heard Australia's this. Mm -hmm. Didn't they have like no, a he, huge thing? Bill Clinton. Yeah, like when oh, Bill this, Clinton was doing it. There. Uh, this is fine. This means I'm yours. Not nice. Oh, see, two, I don't two. like that. That's too close. I and feel I give like the in thumbs a shadow up puppet of, would screw you. Yeah, it would. Well, <laughs> I like, <laughs> I, I like the thumbs up. Shadow puppets like, in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> That's our yeah, PSA. It's like, 
<laughs> you got to do the bunny this way, not this You're way. <laughs> yeah, never, never show the tail of your bunny. <laughs> no, no backwards bunny. <laughs> no backwards bunnies. <laughs> no. I like the thumbs that's up bad though. Bunny thing single. Thumb, yeah, yeah, the thumbs I up is the same thing. I should do that in traffic now. Yeah, I that's turn, what I do too. It's like pisses people off more. I'm like, yeah, good one. I, I do a like, boo. <laughs> what I do is if they're doing something stupid, instead of like flipping them off or whatever, I go like this and I go boo. Yeah. Oh, Nobody wants funny. a thumbs down. <laughs> yeah. I think I heard a comedian say it once and I was like, oh, that's mine from now on. And people will look at you like they don't know how to respond to that when they pull up next to you and you go, boo. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because you drive that little girl car and they're shocked oh, that you're in it anyway. I love a Mini Cooper. I love my Mini yeah. Cooper. It's First they're like, well, that's a grown Cooper. man in that car. Yeah, oh, they don't know what a grown do. man in that car. You might as well have a Miata. And then, I, I, was a, I was about to get in my feelings when you said little girl car, but I kind of agree with you now, Gary. Yes. <laughs> This is the Italian Aww. job. Come on. I call him Sir yeah. Reginald Cooper. Reggie for short. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get him a monocle. You should. I um, I studied to be a mechanic for three and a half years back in high school. Um, I took a, I took a university, so I had, you know, college paper to, to become a um, a mechanic. And I was all about the American muscle cars. I, I'm like a Pontiac, you know, uh, a, a Charger, a Challenger. Those are my kind of cars. Love those cars, too. I, I, I just happen I, to like the Mini Cooper from the Italian job. I, you do you, boo. You do you. Impressed. <laughs> I'll send you a link to our uh, drag racing yep. uh, whole deal that we got going. Big okay. rim racing. Old we school about it on the American show. cars. Old school American. Yeah, I don't just play Love with it. Mini Coopers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they got judgment hey, free zone. They it's got okay. some cool cars. Well, Australia's got some cool cars like that they don't have over here. Really. Yeah. yeah. What kind of car is in Australia? Like Does Australia well. make its own car? I mean, they're probably. I've got Holdens. The whole, yeah, the Holden. The Holden. We, we have that in New Zealand as well. Um, it, it's kind of like a GMC. <laughs> um, we also we have a lot of pickups, although we call them Utes yeah. in and like, Australia and New Zealand. They're like new versions of the El Camino, but like they're like sure. cars with a truck bed. Basically, mm-hmm. Utes are. That tends to happen a lot in the islands or outer lying areas. That um, they get a lot of those kit vehicles, small trucks, things that can be shipped in cargo. Um, it's what I've come to understand. I could be speaking out of my. Well, it makes ass, sense. But in my traveling, that's what I've noticed. <laughs> well, we don't have any car factories in New Zealand um, because we're an island, and you know, so that that would be an accurate. Assumptions. Uh, oh, there you go. Well, there, that's yeah. one to grow on. No car factories yeah. in New Zealand. The Once Holden Commodore is like the same as the Chevy SS. And uh, those are sweet rides. There was a Toyota Cavalier when I lived in Tokyo. I was like, that's a, uh, that's a Cavalier. I was like, that's a Chevy. What, why is that? And then you f- I found out that there are cars that cross over that they use in other mm-hmm. countries that, you know, like the Isuzu Pup was the Dodge, you know, whatever it was, like Ram or whatever it was for like uh-huh. in the 80s. So many vehicles were back and forth. We don't know what's over in another country that's being paraded around as something else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And by the way, it's Hyundai, not, not Hyundai. Hyundai. Just, just so you know. Makes sense. We just say, we just say Hyundai. But you get in trouble in America if you pronounce things correctly. Because then you're like, oh, look at him. He's trying to say it all fancy. Yeah, that's true. We're like, like, this is America. We don't say that. We don't use accents. 
That's not a valet. That's a valet. <laughs> and this is why I'm this wow. It's so true. I live in Florida. This is like if you go to a Hispanic place to eat or your Mexican restaurant and you say like something in you know Spanish or you give it the accent. The whole place will look at you. You'll be a meme. Mm. You'll be all sorts of things. They'll be like, look at Karen trying to order her queso in Spanish, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's so bad. Wow. At the Mexican buffet. And this is, yeah. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> at the Mexican buffet. <laughs> I know somebody and that says that. And this is why I'm in a G. Oh, my God. I know somebody that says this buffet is, this and is macaron. Oh, man, macarons. can't. <laughs> I like the buffet. I, I like the hometown buffet. At that one. Yeah, I, I mean, like, I like to go to the Cracker Barrel buffet. Like the transformer of macaroons. I am macaron. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's like uh, half Jeep, half macaroon. <laughs> is, he's, it's a French cookie. <laughs> legitimately why I call myself Emma G and not my actual name because of what you guys are talking about. Right yeah. <laughs> I've told my wife if we have a kid, we have to run. She's seen me do this before for friends. I run it through the playground test. If I, can, oh, yeah. if I can break it down in the playground and hurt your soul, it's not going to be a child's name. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just can't. You don't name your kid Richard. Just throw that one away. You know, if if their last name is like small or something, you don't add like something in mm -hmm. front of that or big or whatever it is. Yeah, you have to I mean, be very I, careful. I work with a guy named Richard Seaman, and he's a good dude. <laughs> but they they did him wrong. They didn't. He's a good, he's a good guy. He's a He's a lighting guy, but that's, that's not they. They should not have. Children. They should not have done that to him. Well, no, I mean, he's a good. No. Do you just lean into it at that point? Oh yeah, he, everyone calls him Dixie. Yeah, like, that works. You know? Like I don't yeah, know what do you do yeah. in this scenario. <laughs> he owns it. You know, he's probably my. He's my age or so. He like got a <laughs> deal with it now. Like it's uh, man. Like it's that's not we, great. Really, Bob. Fell off the rails here at the end of this episode, yeah, didn't we? Yeah, we started way <laughs> off, and then we got back on, and then, like, it was good. But this is what we do. Like, it's real conversations. It's having fun. It's getting people like yourself the opportunity to stand up here. And I know you said you weren't a lighthouse earlier. I call bullshit, right? Because the lighthouse does its job unsupported, and it does not ask for any kind of accolades, you're doing what you do and you're leading people. You're passing out keys. It may not be theirs, but if you're passing out keys, you're going to get into somebody's hand that might unlock the first lock or the second lock or okay. the 27th lock, whatever it is. But eventually they're going to come to find their way and they're only going to find their way because someone like you is being authentic in place and showing other people the potential. So for that reason, I want to thank you. I want to give you a chance to talk about where people can find you, what your services are, um, because I know that you do sure. offer the one-on-one -on -one counseling um, or the family counseling with their children, things like that. Um, so go ahead and explain yeah. that. And again, I appreciate you. Well, thank you. I, I really appreciate the um, just the, the the seeing me, the the aroha, as we say in New Zealand. Mm. Um, the Yeah, so... I, I want to sort of just preface a little bit. I'm not a counselor. I'm a coach. coach. Um, I do a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of um, uh, behavior, you know, um, what's the word? 
a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy practices mm. that I utilize in my coaching, but I'm not um, a certified counselor. Um, however, um, I love what I do. I'm a musician first and foremost, singer-songwriter, using music to um, help my audience recognize how badass they are and then translating that into songwriting coaching where I use music and songwriting together to empower young people to step into their unique, powerful voices and recognize that their authenticity and vulnerability is where their strength lies. Um, and then, of course, I... Um, I'm an author. I am a keynote speaker. Uh, my second TEDx presentation will be dropping shortly, which I'm very excited about. Uh, it's called Turning uh, from Pain to Playlist, Turning Struggles Please make sure song. you send that over to us so we can add it to our show notes and, you know, and make sure it's there as long as the episode is out. Yeah, that's awesome. For sure. As long as... As long as the, um, well, I don't know how long it's going to take them to edit, but yes, it will be coming out soon. I'm very excited about it. Very blessed. Um, you know, and, and my whole thing is just making sure that people recognize how powerful and badass you are, uh, whether that's through listening to my music and resonating with the messages that I talk about um, or writing your own. But if you're interested in learning more about me, um, I'm emmagmusic.com or emmagmusic on most social media except for TikTok and Facebook. I'm Emma G Speaks. Absolutely love it. Gary, you have anything you want to wrap up with, ask in closing? If you're on a deserted island for one year and you can only bring one album, what would it be? One album? I got mine. I think it would be The Wall from Pink Floyd. That's an excellent album. A lot of songs. Yep. Gary, yours? And a lot of, a lot mean, of depth. I like the Miri Benari Hip Hop Violinist album because it, beautiful. it has a lot of different artists that I like happen to be on that album. So it's kind of a cheat. Uh, mine is Licensed to Ill, Beastie Boys. 100%. If I'm going to be out on an I island, I'm going to be banging my head into everything. I'm going to be whacking coconuts together to make music just like they would. So <laughs> what better group to be sitting with? Love it. I was very sad when one of the Beastie Boys died. Oh, but yeah, they were a great, great group. Very sad. Fantastic. Pioneers. And I love that they uh, they use everything to make music. They don't use just instruments. They'll, they'll grab anything on the planet and smack it together to make a sound. So... Um, it just goes to show that it doesn't matter what you're using. It's that you're using your authenticity. That's the only thing that matters. We gravitate to artists that are being themselves. Um, just like you, Amen. Emma G, I genuinely appreciate you. Gary, I appreciate you as well, brother. And remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning.